Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They are creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. You can find out more at farmtoplate.io. We have a really interesting episode for you today with two individuals from Revolution. We have Todd Klein and Fazila Rashid. Welcome to the podcast, Todd and Fazila. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, to be we're here. excited. You're excited to have both of you. It is so much fun. For those that are watching on YouTube, you're going to hear three voices and, and see us as well. And hopefully we can um, distinguish ourselves for those of you that are listening on all, all the podcast channels. I'd like to start out first. You're probably wondering, what is revolution? If you could explain that for us, I would sure appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you. And I'll start. Uh, revolution is a private equity platform headquartered in Washington, D.C. It was founded by Steve Case and Ted Leonsis, who had founded AOL back in the day. And when they uh, sold that business and uh, went out on their own again, they decided to start an investing platform and uh, began with an entity called Revolution Growth, which is where Fazila and I sit, which is a growth stage investor. But then the platform expanded and now has Revolution Ventures, which does a little bit earlier stage investing, typically series A and B, and a seed stage effort under the rise of the the rest banner, which uh, focuses on non-traditional venture centers and provides seed capital to entrepreneurs, um, unfortunately or not for them, having to not be in the Bay Area uh, and some other venture centers, but uh, still have very compelling opportunities. Yeah, I think it's great that you're um, expanding where you're looking for companies outside of that Silicon Valley area, giving opportunities all the way over on the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> we do have a worldwide listening audience. So just to give them a little bit of the you know, West Coast is where a lot of that innovation is happening, but there's also a lot going on in other areas of our country. So thanks for sharing that. Well, where should we start? You have some really, really interesting companies that you are invested in and for all different reasons. Well, I, what, you know, it'll be helpful to maybe give a perspective of how we think about our investment strategy here at Revolution. And in that regard, there are sort of four core pillars where we think about opportunity sets to invest behind at Revolution Growth. They are really informed by uh, policy dynamics. And in that regard, how we think about opportunities are highly regulated industries where policy is const a constant in those areas. And that would be areas like healthcare and financial services and areas at the forefront of where policy decision-making is happening today because it will impact the country for years to come. And that includes sustainability and supply chain and industrial resiliency for the country. And so as we go through the opportunities and the companies we've invested in, hopefully your audience will see a theme around those four thematics of where we found either intersections or really interesting specific opportunities to address these. Yeah, I'm looking forward to unpacking some of that because we in the food industry in particular, and I know you cover more than that too, you know, the whole sustainability, uh, supply chains being a big issue over the years. People are wanting to eat healthier. Where do you all sit with some different companies that you have championed? Oh, do you want to start? I, yeah. Who would like to start? Uh, both of you have really <laughs> compelling companies. 
Todd, you want to well, go? If you're asking about the portfolio, I'm happy to talk about some of those some of those businesses. Um, yeah. If that's if that's your question, um, you know, one of them would be Kava, is a fast casual Mediterranean concept, very similar to Chipotle. You know, we became investors in that business um, nearly eight years ago. Really began a process of working with the founding team to take a concept that was started here in Washington and expand it across the country. So now we're in 27 states. Uh, we have nearly 300 locations and uh, uh, had the good fortune to uh, go public last June. Yeah. Now, a company like Kava, I guess, as I look at, you know, you're taking a look at what's going on in the market, what you think the future is going to be, what kinds of things existed that were parameters that made you look at a company like Kava and, and what they're doing? Sure. So Kava, um, the goal of a company like Kava is to kind of meet consumers where they are and where they are is they want healthier options. They want more convenient options. They want a very positive dining environment and dining experience, and they want a healthy without compromise. That's really the key goal. Mm. And so Kava represents that opportunity. So you have a, a lot of value for what you, for what you get in a way that's very convenient to you. So there's, there's catering, there's pickup there, with digital, with digital choices, there's indoor dining and a variety of other things. And so what we find with our consumers is that's what they want most is the ability to control their time without sacrificing the health for themselves or their family. And that was really one of the most compelling things that we experienced with actually both Kava and uh, another investment of ours called Sweet Green. Well, I'd like to hear about Sweet Green too, but I know with Kava, I've actually experienced that here mm -hmm. where I live. And I know uh, what you're talking about, uh, you know, it does fall in line with a lot of the consumer trends that we're seeing here at Future Foodcast. Like you were talking about the healthier eating, multiple options of how you want to get your food and just the value is there. So that's a really great. What about sweet green? Well, similarly, you know, you get a tremendous amount of value for what you pay for. Beyond that, this is a company that from the, its very beginning was extremely focused on the cultural benefits of sourcing locally, using sustainable mm -hmm. packaging and a variety of other things that consumers are demanding. It's one thing for a consumer to say, I want to eat healthy. I want something that is maybe organic or or the like and de delivered to me conveniently. But to put that in styrofoam or some kind of package that is, you know, very unfriendly to the environment is just completely anathema to them. So it, it's really a holistic approach, reaching consumers and connecting with consumers um, across all of these dimensions. Yeah, and trying to give them what they want. Now, right. Fazila, I know that you've got experience with some alternative protein delivery as well in the food industry. Um, yeah, that's right. That I think bit? one of our... That's right. One of our more uh, recent investments is into a company called Meaty, and Meaty is a alternative protein company that makes its protein out of mushroom root called mycelium. And if anyone has followed the evolution of the plant-based meat category, we've certainly seen quite a wave of these companies. And as Revolution as an investor put our hat on to see what does a 2.0 in the plant-based meat market looks like. It very much resonates with, you know, Todd's initial analysis of why we invested in sweet green and kava as well, in the sense that we were not just looking for a alternative to, you know, a meat, but also a nutritious form, a clean form, something that someone would enjoy eating as well, so that it was an enjoyable palate to the mouth. And so all of those were important criteria for us to take a bet on a company like Meaty uh, relative to its competitors. Yeah, nice. There is, you're right, uh, again, another trend that we're seeing lots of 
alternative proteins cropping up and the mushrooms have a lot of really positive characteristics to be able to work with and great flavoring too, which I personally think is a, a positive. I mean, we, we want to have some alternatives that we actually want to eat. That's one of the qualifications, at least in my book. Um, so you talked about sustainability, you know, and, and some alternatives with certainly protein sources, whole food sourcing more locally. Those are all common trends. And Todd, you mentioned about sustainable packaging along with what consumers are demanding. What is Revolution doing in that area? I don't know which of you might speak to that more. The first foray that we took into that was a company called Temper Pack in Richmond, Virginia. So consistent with our non-traditional venture center thesis where you have great entrepreneurs everywhere, but capital sometimes concentrated in other places. So uh, this is a business that provides completely compostable, uh, recyclable packaging for food and life science companies. As you well know, I'm sure you've covered many, many times on, on this podcast, so much food now is delivered directly to the home. And again, similarly, to order something from a HelloFresh or one of these companies that, that has a high quality organic element to what they're doing, to deliver that in something like styrofoam to the consumer, that's not a holistic product to them. They expect both the ingredients themselves and the way it's delivered to them to uh, maintain uh, sustainable standards. And um, things like styrofoam, while they've been very valuable and they've been uh, a life-changing product for many, many people, they have the unfortunate uh, uh, problem of lasting 500 years in the earth. And um, for us, we wanted to find a better alternative. And uh, historically, one of the great challenges in this business is you could find alternatives, but they were not priced competitively and for us, you know, we, we don't ask consumers to make choices that are unreasonable for them. Um, we want them to be able to choose superior competitive alternatives and to have sustainable packaging that's priced similarly and provides the same benefits, but also has these sustainable aspects to them. That's what really we found compelling. So that's one of our businesses called Temper Pack. Great. There's a lot of movement in that area. A lot of companies are trying to find solutions to the packaging. And I I think you'll agree. Uh, we just, like you said, a lot of people are receiving their food at home. People that before the pandemic never would have thought about ordering their food to be delivered or their groceries to be delivered, or, you know, there's just a lot more of that happening in and outside of the food industry. Honestly, yeah. people are having a lot more things delivered and the impact is tremendous. So every little move we can make in this area, I, I think is going to just incrementally, the volumes are so large that small incremental steps are going to have a large impact. And Pam, you're absolutely right. You know, a third of Temper Pack's business is for life sciences, and that's mm -hmm. people's prescriptions coming to their home and the like. Yeah. And again, if you're trying to have something delivered to you that protects your health, you obviously want it to be um, to deliver to you and to be effective and efficacious, mm -hmm. but you don't want it delivered in, in a method that, you know, is harmful. So, so those, those are areas, you know, we see it, like you mentioned as growing areas and, and the consumers are really demanding it. And Fazila, I think you'll agree, you know, if you, deliver um, an alternative protein product in some kind of unsustainable packaging that doesn't, it doesn't match up. I think you're absolutely right. You know, those same consumers are a very discerning type of consumer and they increasingly make up a larger proportion of the, the base and we have to meet them where they are to Todd's point. And so you have to meet them on sustainability goals, on packaging goals, on how product is produced 
on, you know, traceability, et cetera. And so, you know, a company like Meaty, you know, clearly has to keep up to those standards uh, as they build out their protein, alternative protein product. And as a result, I'd say, you know, extending into that, we've also thought about the opportunity sets in this space and the supply chain opportunity all the way to agriculture too, uh, with an investment we've made in a company called Carbon Robotics. Because when you think about farm to table, it truly is from the farm and, you know, impacting what goes goes on there when people pick up food out of the soil all the way to the packaging in a company like Temper Pack. And so Carbon Robotics, which is Seattle-based, again, you'll see a theme here. All of these companies are not based in, you know, where you would expect them to get venture dollars historically, um, is really creating an AI-driven laser reading capability that really reduces the burden on the human. When you think about how weeds are removed in most farms today, it is still very heavily human-based labor intensive. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you think about the cost elements, but also the human, you know, cost to that, uh, of going through that process, uh, laser weeding is a very interesting alternative proposition that is gaining quite a bit of traction. In addition, yeah. you know, the thing about that, Pam, we were compelled by the human aspects of it, but it also replaces chemical pesticides. So you're not putting things into the ground that you really would prefer not to put into the ground. That combination, again, to the, your earlier comment or raising standards, we're trying to keep the standards very, very high as to what we do to the earth, as well as, you know, how, how we work with other people who are you know, working in these fields. Going along with the whole theme of just being better stewards of all the resources that we have, taking care of the soil, as you were saying, Fasila, that we're starting at the farm. That's where we're getting all this great food from that these businesses are utilizing to deliver to the customers that want it. Just that, that whole theme of taking care of the soil, not putting any pesticides that we don't need to put in there. Uh, and there, there is a labor issue across the world, let's be honest. And so these robotic solutions, I think you're right on target with explaining that and, and how they're um, gaining, you know, they're able to take advantage of technology. We like to say tech for good, you know, where we can utilize the technology that we have in a very positive way and free up those other human resources to do some other things that only human resources can do. I think that's the positive that we're, we're able to lift them into another area of ag if they wanna be involved in ag. So that's, that's really great. Are there any other sustainability themes that you can think of as far as when you look to invest in companies and as you're evaluating the whole sustainability in my mind, we have some goals that we want to reach. We don't always know what the best answer is. We're, we're still defining those things. I think uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on the food side. Uh, we don't have an investment to identify here, but we do care a lot and think a lot about food waste and 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 methods and ways and and services and various technologies to you know not waste as much food as we do. I quoted you the numbers, which I'm sure again with a podcast like this, you know, it, it's very it's it's almost overwhelming. And so we think a lot about that, and we're digging in that space. Um, to try and find the right opportunity. Yeah. And then I'd say, uh, you know, carrying through carrying through that theme, another area which again we don't have an investment to point to, but we're spending time is around how do you measure outcomes here? You know, there's people are using things like carbon credits, accounting platforms, other forms of metric driven capabilities to show that you are actually moving the needle here because mm -hmm. again, I think many stakeholders care about 
where this goes. Uh, consumers do, policyholders do, investors do, and and so an ability to measure these stake uh, these elements alongside financial returns uh, become more and more important. Yeah, and the numbers are um, Farm to Plate actually sponsored an event in Dubai this summer that I was at. One point three billion tons of food is lost or wasted in the supply chain every year. And that's uh, that number is probably a year or two old because you know the calculations usually lag behind. So to your point, Todd, it's a huge number. And I think that dealing with efficiencies in the supply chain so that you can pay attention to use by dates, code dates, uh, you're not losing fresh produce and vegetables to spoilage or pilferage or whatever else might be happening in that supply chain. You know, those are some of the areas in the food industry that uh, the food waste on the front end is large, as well as it is on the back end with maybe over ordering and having too much inventory or not being able to project. So I know there's a lot of AI happening right now with trying to project inventory levels and usage. And there's a lot of great tech going on that I think um, is really going to come to fruition to help in that food waste area. Thanks for bringing that out. Uh, anything else that you would like to share about well, just, sustainability or, or really- On, on the sustainability you, side, this, yeah. this might not immediately come to mind and put in that category, but to a certain degree it is in terms of ordering, right? And there's this notion of real personalized nutrition, uh, personal food as medicine, that as a category actually does play in the sustainability world because you end up ordering you know, something very precise for what you need and nothing else. And so we, you could put them in the same category, put them as adjacencies, but we, we think about that as well. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that out, Todd. Really appreciate it. Wow. We have some really great uh, trends that, that Revolution is investing in some innovative companies that are bringing really, really neat products and services and food concepts to the consumers. Todd or Fazila, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our audience about what you're doing at Revolution Growth in particular they'd be interested in? Well, the one thing I would add, and we started, I started with this, uh, you know, when we, we did the introduction is we started to also spend more time engaging with stakeholders on the policy side. I think it becomes important here because we as investors and, you know, innovators in the space and entrepreneurs can clearly come up with solutions, but there's a lot that we can work alongside with policymakers and regulators as they continue to shape the direction of a lot of where is this this is going they have a lot of dollars and grants that they want to put to work you know finding ways to make sure that reaches the right audience and the right groups of people but also shape the direction in the form that makes the most sense commercially and financially viably as well wow thanks for that reminder and that's a really, really great point. And I know that you are probably very active in that area, especially being in the Northeast, uh, the DC area, where you can maybe impact that a little bit more, know it, feet on the ground, essentially, knowing what's happening with our policies here in this country, certainly. And Pam, since you have many entrepreneurs in your audience, it's what we have found is that many of them don't fully appreciate policy that could be perhaps intimidating to them or create or closed doors, but the reality is there's just as much opportunity around it. Our approach is to try and be a catalyst for that and to identify opening open doors versus closed ones, uh, because there's a lot and there's been a tremendous amount of fiscal stimulus of late that we are all aware of that will impact you know, businesses in this sector. And I would encourage companies that are maybe feeling like they don't have the information that they need 
to seek out companies like Revolution to ask those questions, see if there's a good partnership opportunity. If this, you know, if what they're thinking, their next great idea is something that uh, you could come alongside them with. And we'll have information about how to contact you in the notes for the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Todd and Fazila, for being with us today on Future Foodcast. We really appreciate your insight and experience into what you're looking at for the future of food, specifically in the food industry with your investments. Thank you, Pam. Really enjoyed Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Pam. Thanks yeah. a lot. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this interview with Todd and Fazila, please like it, subscribe to us so you can hear about the next episode and send us some information, some comments of what kind of guests you would like to hear in the future. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, I'm Pam Miller.